0: listen to any of the episodes yet yeah so you know how we started out okay you want to start us off
1: yeah i think so okay i'm kim duke and i'm married to an addict alcoholic
0: hi kim uh my name's chris i'm an addict alcoholic hi chris my name is riley and i'm an addict alcoholic hi riley hi Hi riley (laughs) um uh so i want to say first off like i'm excited that you're here because we don't get to see each other as often as we used to in person. Uh, Riley and I met through photography and journalism was that like six years ago? Yeah, now? It was
2: like six or seven years ago. Something six like or seven that.
0: Seven years ago. Um, which is so, so bananas. And it's been super cool to see like how you you didn't stop progressing when it comes to your photography. Like you've continued to do really, really well.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Um and I, I latched on to you really quickly because when i first met you you were about to go to jail yes yep and i think you were supposed to go for six months or something yep. like yeah yeah my
2: first uh so i got oh with my, my sentences were split apart in the three segments of six, six months 180 days served um i think the first time we met was at alex uh, alex's studio yep that's right um yeah It was i think a couple like a week maybe before i was supposed to go turn myself in for my first day <laughs> Uh, you can actually
0: pull that thing up a little bit oh. too.
1: Yeah, you can move the thing because the
0: oh. arm goes. Yeah. Yes, oh. Yeah, so you can All right, adjust. Then you don't have I to. You don't have to lean. Yeah, I'm <laughs> a slouching problem. Uh, I do as well. Every time somebody says that, I'm like, oh, I'm slouching. Oh, wait, what? Super <laughs> big time. Uh, but so I I latched on you in the way that I've done like my whole life, which is that when I see good people, like people that I perceive to be good people, um like ending up in shitty situations, I, I feel the need to intervene. Like for some reason, I think that I'm the one that's going to change their life, yeah. which is a problem that like I've, after treatment, like been able to address and realize that I do that. Um, and so now I'm very selective with the, the people that I want to continue to give a shit yeah. about. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no
1: Now after treatment, you're selective?
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. Right? Wouldn't you say that? Because I pretty often would would say like so-and-so is in trouble and I need to, yeah I need to do something about it thing. Yeah. Um, forever and always. And one thing about you, which I think like you were the first person that I started to, cause as soon as somebody would let on that, they're not putting in the effort that I think that they should be putting in, I would be like, well, all right, fuck it then. Yep. But with you, for some reason I felt the need to, when you would talk about a scenario, I'd, I would say, how did you end up in that scenario? Why? Yeah. Are we, why were you around those people? What and like this and that and like because I didn't want to not know the end of your story.
2: No, it's all the only.
0: I get yeah. that. And we so we've had like we've I think we've always had like a connection in in that we've been able to be really open with one another.
2: Yeah, like a mutual understanding that there's a, like basically like there's a there's a reason there's an what is a reaction for every action. Yeah, yeah. Basically, there's something happened for something else to happen. Like there's always for me, anyways. That's how I think that. Yeah, there's a bad situation happening, but what caused that bad situation? Like what has led up to this happening?
0: And I think when when I learned that you were in recovery, there was a part of me that didn't really want to ask about it because it meant that I would have to address my own issue. And before I even like really knew that I had a problem, I I think deep down I had some kind of understanding where Subconsciously like, maybe. Yeah, that yeah. I that I as long as I didn't bring it up, then we wouldn't have to have that discussion. Yeah. And not that you're the type of person that throws labels on people as as far as that stuff goes, but like, I think I was just trepid in that. So like, why don't you give us kind of your
2: history of like like when when did you first use and, and all that stuff? Uh, my first time. So it all started. I was uh, 13 years old. Is the first time I drank, and I pretty much got drunk that first time and didn't stop until 23, or but yeah, I think I ju- yeah I just turned 23. And a month later, uh, went sober after that. So it started as a young kid, um, realized very quickly, like, hey, if I just drink this, I can black out and not deal with a single problem that I have. Sure. Don't. Uh, I had a, Basically, I don't know. I had a really hard time accepting uh, depression um, and found that that was my escape. Though it wasn't the right decision and it took me a decade to figure that one out, that was where I went to and the older I got the more things I was introduced to and so it went from just drinking and then it went to smoking weed and then that worked for about six seven years and then I got put on probation and couldn't smoke anymore and was missing that crutch I could still drink get away with drinking because it's not in your system as very long as everything else is and that just kind of progressed I got got a little too deep with some people that I shouldn't have been involved with and that led to a cocaine addiction for me um, which from that just kind of stemmed out to, uh, went from cocaine to Xanax to come down from cocaine so I could sleep to, I don't have a problem. I'm just going to drink and I'll, have, I'll fall asleep and we'll be good. Mm. And I, I tried getting sober multiple times. I mean, even though I was claiming I was sober, most of the time I wasn't to me sober was, oh, I'm just not going to get drunk every day. I'm just going to do it one, one or two nights a week with no one to knows besides the five people that I'm with. And
0: yeah. It's interesting, like, when, you, um, when you're when you kind of, at least for me, like, you feel like if I can make somebody believe that I'm sober, then that's all that matters. Yep. No, definitely. And so, you, yeah, you kind of create that excuse where it's like, well, if they think I'm sober, then I'm at least, I've got it under control enough to where it must not actually be a problem. Well,
1: that's like when you first told a couple people that you were going to quit drinking and they're like, well, what'd you do? Oh, like it's like you have to do something to have a problem like because you weren't doing anything. And I remember you being like, well, this person said, well, what did you do? It was like numerous people are like, well, what did what did you do? Why does Kim want you to quit drinking? What is it that you've done? And it wasn't you didn't want to be like, well, I drink every single night a lot.
2: For me, that question is, well, what happened? What did you do for me? it was like, well, what haven't I done? is the real thing. I want to
0: get more back, like to back it up a little bit. Um, the environment that you grew up in, yeah. like were your parents ever together?
2: Um, uh, my parents were together until uh, my dad left when I was eight years old. They weren't officially divorced until 10. Okay. Um, from that point on, I pretty much lived with a single mom. Uh, my mom, she was a single mom with me and my sister. Uh, she worked 12, 14 hour days every day. So she basically she left for work at four o'clock in the morning and then didn't come home until six seven eight o'clock at night. It was only I only saw her for an hour or two and it wasn't her fault. She was just trying to provide for everybody, but that also gave me free reign to go do whatever I wanted. And as much as she tried, I mean, she did everything she could for me. But I just, how are you going to force me to do something that when you're not when you yeah. physically can't be there to enforce it? So I was yeah. in, a, in a household where I was able to do pretty much what I wanted, when I wanted, with no repercussions from it because there wasn't anybody to make me pay for my actions, basically. Yeah. Like, no follow-through with repercussions, you could say.
0: Sure. I, uh, um... where Did your uh, parents
2: or, or relatives deal with addiction at all? Uh, my dad did. Um, I don't... My dad's side of the family has a long... I don't want to name anybody, but, uh... <laughs> my dad's side of the family definitely has a history of alcoholism and other drug addictions. Um my mom's side I we don't really know what is on hers. Uh my mom was adopted, she doesn't know her birth parents, oh. um, so we don't know anything about like genetics or anything. Yeah. Um but yeah, with my dad's side we, there's definitely a long line, long list of uh addiction issues. One thing that um so I I was on uh, somebody else's
0: podcast last night. It's called Authentic And I think that'll come out in like two or three weeks, I think he said. Um, But one thing that we had talked about that I I haven't really talked about it on here, um, which is um, there was a kid that I met when I was in treatment who, both of his parents were addicts. One of them was even a dealer. And uh, super young, I think he said he was 11 when he first smoked weed. And he talked about how the way that his parents kind of, they knew the environment that they had created, that this was going to happen. They just kind of, so when it happened, they would say like, it was kind of the do as I say, not as I do, but they didn't really seem to like
2: lend any actual help. No, that's uh, that's exactly how it was with uh. see my mom and dad are so completely different person, uh, different people. My, put from perspective, my mom's been drunk. I think maybe no more than five times in her entire life and she's 60 years old she's never smoked a cigarette she's never done drugs and then you go to my dad's side and he's the do as i say not as i do with the well i've done this this and this but with no nothing more than just don't do this just because i'm doing this or i did this doesn't mean you can go do this i'm like well you didn't really give me a real reason why i shouldn't go do this so nice pep talk you know
0: yeah and I mean, I think that it's kind of like a nihilist viewpoint, which is that, you know, um, of, of course this would happen. And even though they're they're saying, you know, don't do that stuff, they know deep down that he's going to continue to use and end up just like them. Yeah. And like, rather than trying to remedy the situation with love, like they just kind of, and then the, the other twist of it is I had to like figure it out on my own you're gonna have to figure it out on your own yeah but when it comes
1: but to as parents they were i like know that? yeah that's
2: yeah like you gotta that's figure what it sucks it yeah. just gets to a point where it's like you gotta figure it out like yeah and at that point if you could just feel i don't know i felt very alone when i got to that point where sure sorry everyone, bring that mic just to yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was getting nervous of it only like, things in my mouth and the, this you can move around like it's all right and if Fair it enough. breaks it's so cheap we'll we'll just put it up here so that (laughs) way you go there you go that way when i lean back i'm still into it still breathe yeah (laughs) well uh, well where where were we uh when it comes to your parents and like that whole
0: uh, like i was gonna finish up with um they when you accept it for some reason they also think that you have to figure it out on your own but when it comes to these hard drugs like i think there's this weird idea that they'll survive oh they're gonna be fine i'm fine they don't understand that 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 kid there's a really strong chance that he's going to die
2: yeah there's uh for, for me personally I didn't, I didn't witness a lot of the like I, kn- I definitely knew about the drug use when i was when i was growing up as much as they wanted to say they hit it and everything i mean my oh, mom okay. not my mom's side the anyways but uh i definitely knew about it i wasn't wasn't not aware of it i knew what was going on around me yeah and it was uh When it came time for me getting in trouble for doing it, it was, uh, how are you going to tell me not to do this and then leave to go do this? Like, it's like preaching to the choir at that point for me. And Um,
0: I forget, do you you have a sister?
2: Uh, I have a older sister and then I have a half brother and two, I still consider them my step siblings, my sisters. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, did your older sister deal with any of that stuff? Um, my my other sister didn't well, didn't really get into anything really. Uh, she she dealt with depression more than anything. Uh, wasn't much of a drinker. Still, to this day, isn't much of a drinker. Um, that wasn't a huge smoker. Just doesn't at all anymore. I mean, she definitely she took after more of my mom, I guess, in that aspect of she didn't have she didn't find a release in it basically the way that I found a like a relief from life. Oh sure. It. When
0: it comes to school like I I have this vision of you where like which was similar to me in that um when it when you're in high school people call you a stoner yep. rather than addressing that you might have a problem. Yep. Like there's this this accepted class that people throw you into and and then people associate that with you so when they want to get high they come see you yep
2: did yeah. you deal with any of that yeah definitely uh, it was uh it was we had, me and my friends talk about this quite a bit actually where the change in viewpoint with just smoking weed in general because it used to be there was like a few bad apples the stoner kids in high school and that was then everyone was so against it and the second everybody graduated it flipped to where now it's everything's okay and they want to the same people that were just calling you a stoner and a piece of shit a month ago are now hitting you up like, yo, you want to smoke? I'm like, well, not really, but (laughs) yeah, it's, yeah, that's, and so,
0: I mean, you seem to have been thrust into a life where you kind of had to get over shit really quickly. Like it was expected of you to get over things quickly.
2: Yeah. I, uh, it's definitely like, it's crazy to think of how much the world's like changed their views on mental health. Mm. Um, even since, I mean, I'm only 24, but just in the last decade for me of mental health from it, you just need to get over it to now, okay, let's get you help for it. And I mean, it's just a huge change on view aspects to like where I was growing up where something would happen, where I should be, have to go talk to somebody about this. I should have to go work about this. And instead my mindset was like, just forget about it. You got to move on. You got to push past it. Don't cry about it. Just if you don't think about it, it's not there anymore. Yeah. But what I didn't realize back then, which what I do now, is not thinking about that and just pushing it off for so long. All it did was create a decade worth of disaster waiting to unravel. And just the longer I pushed it away, I guess, the worse it got till I hit the breaking point. I mean,
0: yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I was thinking too, like the amount of, like you you kind of seem to be in a bubble where like i wasn't used to people your age having the viewpoint that like disrespect has to be dealt with yeah and i'm curious as to like what like did you i i don't mean to like throw anybody under the bus but like were you abused when you were younger or like how did that type of viewpoint come about
2: um it definitely the mental mental and some physical abuse uh, obviously, I don't want to bring in who sure. with who, but it's it very young was not okay to be upset about things, and when I was yelled at for things, it wasn't okay to be upset about it. It was uh, shut up and do whatever I'm being yelled at about. So I think by I'd say eight years old, I've figured out just don't talk or whatever's happening, just don't don't talk about it, don't worry about it. If you don't, it's not there. If you're not thinking about it, it's not there. Um, sure. When, when did
0: you adapt that viewpoint of, um, I can, if, if I show how strong I am, then people are gonna not talk to me the way that I don't want. Does does that make make Um, sense what I'm trying to say?
2: I'd say 11 or 12, probably. I think probably when I hit middle school is where that the mindset adapted. Um, where the, yeah, it's, I'd say probably sixth grade in middle school was where my, that year changed for me um where I wasn't tolerating things anymore. It's like I'd for me personally as I dealt with enough that I'm not I'm you're not going to talk to me like that anymore. But then I would go home and not say a thing. Yeah. And the people that were enforcing things, doing the shit to me, I wasn't talking up to, but if somebody had something to say at school, you'd yeah, it's going to be dealt with.
1: Do you think it's because... Oh, mine's really loud. Sorry. Right. <clears throat> that when you were younger, you weren't allowed to speak out and say those things, so you built it up so then when you're around other people, your age or older or even younger, that's why you spoke up more. Yeah. I definitely yeah.
2: I definitely think it's because it, it I went so long with not saying anything yeah. and being being afraid to say something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, more than... Yeah, be more afraid to just say something as a kid versus when I got to middle school and it was my peers and I was a bigger guy. Yeah. And it started just to be an intimidation thing for me. It's I know you can't do anything about this. I'm calling you out on it. We're gonna do this. It's we can't I think it's just all the years of silence, it built up and then just made me think that I need to say something twenty four seven about it. And I still to this day I can't help myself. Like I something goes on and I still think that I need to be the one to say something about it. When yeah. there's certain times where I, I just, well, we spoke about this earlier. There's yeah. certain times like with everything going on where I think some people are talking when they should just be listening. And that's myself. There's sometimes I just can't help myself and I mm-hmm. just go and say something and I'm like, you know what, maybe I should have just not said a thing and it would have been a better, better yeah, you're solution. You're growing and still learning. Yeah. yeah. well, I, mean- I
1: think it's hard too when you're young and you're using substances, when you're young, you mess with your frontal lobe so much that now is in, You're, you know, you're middle, you're middle 20s. You're still trying to learn how to work that frontal lobe of your brain and all that. Yeah.
2: And I have, I actually have damaged my frontal lobe. Uh, Well,
1: yeah. Add a brain injury to it. Yeah. 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 Why don't we, let's go back. Let's just have him tell his story. So you started first time you said you got drunk. You were 13 13. years old. Yeah. I was UV blue. So then, yep. You went through all those. What was, let's talk about some events, like traumatic events that happened while you were using because sometimes people always have that rock bottom, but it's very fascinating when you hear people's stories where there's like, man, that would have been my rock bottom. But you're like, nope, let, I'm going to keep going. That was not quite my rock bottom yet.
2: Yeah. I um, I
1: If that's, if you want, yeah, things no. you want to talk about.
2: Yeah. I think I didn't have my real rock bottom moment until I was probably 17. Okay. That was where I I kind of, that was where it just came and hit me like, yeah, this is, this is where I'm going. This is it.
1: Was that when you were gonna go to jail then, uh, or
2: uh, no? That would have been so. Uh, that would have been right around my first suicide attempt. Okay. Um, right after one of my best friends had to kill them, uh, committed suicide. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to think. No, that's okay. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Here. Uh, as far as like traumatic events and stuff growing up, it was just kind of like the constant fear, abuse. I mean, it wasn't as, as the older I got, it wasn't as much physical as it was a mental abuse. And them not even realizing that they were doing it. And it just kind of added up over year after year of just having to push things off. Yeah. And nothing really, I mean, nothing really traumatic started happening with my life besides like my parents splitting. Yeah. And I mean, that was a lot to deal with because it Especially took... Especially you were young. Well, and I it had... took, it wasn't a clean divorce. No, it was, it took uh, years. It was, my mom didn't want to let go of it. And my dad was already moved on and had a kid with someone else already. And it was just a constant... Listening to well they did this and they did that and well here's my two experiences so why am I stuck still going to the house when I don't want to be there um, it
0: <coughs> sorry no um, you're fine well I think the thing with you is that you don't recognize how and I hate to like throw it at you like that yeah, but no. I, well actually here I'll say this you used to not recognize some of the things that happened in your life that they're not normalcies they're not things that happen to everybody else and not things that you should be subjected to
2: yeah no definitely i uh a lot of it took probably until until getting sober honestly uh actually sober not i'm quarter sober, but to actually realize like some of the shit that went on growing up that's not what normal families are like. And, like, I have a lot of friends that were middle. I mean, basically all my friends growing up were middle to upper class friends. And then I was this kid with my the only one of the group that our parents weren't split up. They were two totally different aspects. I mean, it took me forever to realize, like, a lot of the things that happen. And, like, if I would talk about it with my friends, they would be like, well, that can't actually happen. Yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. And now looking back, it's like. I understand why my friends, when I would talk about things, didn't understand what was going on. Or like when I would say something, they would free, make it, it would to them. It was a bigger deal on some things where to me it was like, this is a, this is a once a week thing that's happening. Like, why, yeah. what's, what's so off about this? Well, and I think that lent to kind of,
0: have you heard of trauma bonding? Yeah. Okay. So I think the situations that you put yourself in was because these people understood at least to some extent, some of the tumultuous things that you'd been through. Yeah. So where you wanted to get better, these types of people were familiar to you and they understood the shit that you were going through. Yeah. So even though everybody had things that they needed, I think should have been working on, um, there's, there was that, that bonding of like, this is the stuff that like, this is why we're all here together. This is why
2: we're doing these things together. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, there's a, being able to talk with like when I found I started to find more people. The older that I got, the more things I shouldn't have been getting into. I found more people that were understanding as to why we were doing this, and to me that became almost like a coping me- coping mechanism for me, is being able to find someone like, oh hey yeah we're doing coke at 18 years old, we're up all night and we got to go to school in the morning. And we're fucking hammered, but we both just went through this traumatic thing together and this is how we deal with this. Like, this is okay because this is, nobody else understands, but we understand each other. So this is okay for us to be doing in the background. I mean, I hid a lot of things from a lot of people for a very long time. Um, I mean, only people, a lot of the only people that only that knew what I was doing, whereas because they were there with me doing it. I mean, I'm very been, <laughs> I was very good at hiding things, I guess you could say i don't know if my if my mom listens to this or my dad listens to this they're probably going to hear some things they hadn't no idea about i mean i got the cocaine just saying the cocaine addict as far as they know it's only been a couple times mm-hmm. i mean it's only been they only know about it because i tried to kill myself and when they did a blood examination they found that in my system that's the only reason why and it was uh, oh i was just it's just this one time yeah and it, i mean it wasn't just this one time it was just this one time every day for years
0: And to go back a little bit more, um, were you around, like, I know that there were people that I went to school with where, um, it was almost laughed at drinking and driving Yep. because you're already doing something that you're not supposed to. If we let on that, we can't get home because we're, you know, those questions are going to be asked like, why can't you drive home? Why can't you make it home? Um, so the amount of drinking and driving that I saw when I was in school was a lot. And I would imagine.
2: Oh yeah. I, uh. For the longest time, as uh, as embarrassed as I am about to say this, uh, I always joked that I had my triple D license. Uh, I was always the designated drunk driver because I I'd, I'd done it so many times, completely blacked out, been pulled over, and nothing happened. And so that just okay, I can do this and get stopped and not remember it, and nothing's gonna come of it. It it was a normal thing. It became extremely normal for me and my friends to just get drunk and drive, or if one of us was sober enough to drive. We all got in that person's car and that's how we got around to the next wherever we had to be. And there wasn't ever repercussions. I mean, I could come home wasted and my mom was just oblivious to it. I mean, could there's, I think one time I was actually caught drinking when I was a kid and it was because I was so fucked up that one of my friends had to bring me home because I was puking so bad that they thought I was going to die from it. Mm. And that was the first, first realization of my mom that I was even drinking. I mean that was five year almost five or four years into it. I, mean, I was seventeen that when that happened. So I'd already been four years deep of consistently three, four, five times a week getting blacked out drunk at that age and no one noticing it.
0: So when when did you start to have consequences? And it doesn't have to be legally, um, but when did you start to notice consequences of of using?
2: Um, as far as like.
0: Like, like, so if a friend got hurt or, um, if somebody's car got totaled, things like that.
2: Um, I mean, even when people's cars ended up getting hit, we had a story of one of the first places I lived at when we moved out, we had what we called project X townhome edition. Um, two, it was a huge party I mean, there's hundreds of kids between these two houses and it ended up people fighting in the streets, cars getting smashed out, blood everywhere and no re- repercussions. The cop came. Nothing happened to a single person that was there. Someone that left that ho- left my house that night uh, was drinking on Xanax and rolled this car in, into a swamp, and there was no repercussions for any of it. I mean, we got away with everything that was going on, and there's just not a repercussion for it. The only I started feeling a consequence or like seeing consequences for actions, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. uh, once it got me in legal trouble. Um, until and it was until that point that I just none of that really mattered to me. I guess. Because I, didn't, I wasn't being held accountable for anything. There wasn't accountability for my actions unless I said something shitty. Which, sure. I mean, it happened on a daily basis. I would say something terrible that I don't even remember saying. And that was the only consequence is someone was mad at me until I saw him the next time, give him a drink or give him a bump and we're back to, back to normal. I, I've just recently been
0: starting to think about this. There's more to it than just using, like whatever it is, uh, drugs or alcohol. Um, when you're younger... It's getting away with it too, and then being able to go and re- recall those parties and those situations with your friends. And like, so there's like a, a weird sense of accomplishment too. Yeah. Like, getting like saying that you blacked out and nothing like you're not in trouble. Yeah. There's so like people think that it's like bragging, but really, I think subconsciously people are like, I can't believe that we For- got
2: away with that. For me, when I tell stories about things that I, I've done, like I still, on my phone, a lot of people ask me why I still have all these videos on my phone of me completely fucked up out of my mind or things that were going on. Like, why would you want to go back and look at that? And for me, it's, I can't believe that I was able to get away with doing this or that I did these things and there was no ac- no re- no consequence for it. Yeah, I mean, I got away from the, the amount of run-ins with police that I've had and the amount of consequences of, I've actually had are way, the numbers way lower than what i've gotten away with and every time i would get busted with something i would be so pissed and it's Fuck the cops and yeah everyone sucks they're out to get me and in reality i'm like well they busted me on this minor thing when i've been doing a long list of other things i shouldn't have been
0: yeah and it it, it fucks up that that rhythm of getting away with stuff Yep. and so it like because i think we don't want to accept that it's a bad thing no, because there's so many good things associated with it at the time, right? Like yep. it means that you're with friends or it means that, you know, you're not at home, whatever the situation may be like when, when those consequences come around, it's just, it's contrary to what you have, you feel like, you know, yeah. um, as, as being a positive thing in your life or something that's an escape in your life.
2: Yeah. I used to, uh, just hearing you say that it just clicked in my head as many times as I used to not look at the the negatives like if i was to five years ago if you were to ask me to put a pros and cons list together of my pros for doing drugs and drinking and my cons list my pros list is going to be a lot longer than what my cons list is going to be if you're going to ask me so a couple months ago i was super depressed and was on the verge of relapsing i drove to the bar and on my way to the bar decided let's run through our head what's going to happen here Made a pros list and the cons list and I had one pro on my pros list and it was that I was going to be able to temporarily ignore what's going on and there's just a drop list of all the possibilities of what I could what could happen and I know a lot of them sound drastic but me knowing me and how I am and the medications that I'm on and how unpredictable I can be nothing would surprise me I mean I could do anything on that the what could happen list and it wouldn't surprise me because I I know like there's you never know what you're capable of when your brain's when you're not there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I um I think uh like something that they say in treatment is that it um hadn't happened yet. Like rather than saying nothing, I never there was no consequences for what I was doing. Yeah. The approach should be nothing's happened yet. Yeah. And there's always the possibility. I mean there's seven billion people in the world it's just statistically speaking something that looks like a miracle or like the end times is bound to happen once or twice in somebody's lifetime. Like there's always a possibility for the absolute worst outcome.
2: Yeah. No, I, and it took all going back to basically, I mean, it took until I'm what, 20 months sober right now. It took until 20 months ago for me to actually be able to have a clear enough head to realize what i've done, what i should have been in trouble for, all the things that it could have happened and i can't even be mad about the things that i've been in trouble for. It's like there there's so many more so many things that i should have been held accountable for. So many things i was not not only because i wasn't caught, i was caught on a lot of things and i just wasn't held accountable for it. Oh, sure. And for me it was a uh, well, i can get away with this, i can do this and now looking back at it it's like what the fuck were you thinking, dude? Like I, like I said, I used to brag about having the triple D license and now I'm embarrassed to say it. Like, sure. now now I sound like the hypocrite who's had a breathalyzer in his car for a year and a half now telling my friend to give me your fucking keys. I'm driving. Like, why would you drive when I literally cannot drink and drive? Oh, it's not gonna... Nothing's gonna happen. Well, <laughs> when you're $14,000 into a DWI, tell me that. Yeah.
0: Well, and I mean, nobody seems to want to admit Like there's so many people that say they've never drank and drove one beer and then driving afterwards. You have drank and drove Yeah, like people who say, like, I was just buzzed that you're still like your your mind state is altered enough to recognize that something feels different about your body and you're still deciding to drive. Yep, I I can't think of an adult that I've met that hasn't done that.
2: Yep, you just saying the oh I was buzzed I wasn't drunk. Okay, well your idea of buzzed is a lot different from what the legal legal law is because I could have said that I was buzzed and I could have blown a point one four. Yeah, and especially if you were a chronic drinker. Oh, yeah, chronic
1: drinkers are sober at like point one four point one five.
2: Yeah, that's what I used to drink a liter of whiskey a day. Yeah. so a your your pack. sober was
1: probably point one four. Yeah, yeah no. your buzzed was probably yeah probably point. One eight point two yeah. ish.
2: Yeah, I bla My blackout point. I got when I got my DWI. I was I blew a point one nine eight four and a half hours after being arrested. So I stalled taking my breathalyzer for four and a half hours and so still. So you
1: people usually detox point oh two an hour. So add point oh eight. So you're probably a point yeah point two seven.
2: Yeah, I mean I, it was definitely up there, and the amount of alcohol I used to be able to drink is disgusting. Yeah. I mean to me to think about now. Yeah. Like there's no way, no way anybody should be able to put away a liter of whiskey, at a time. Yeah. But let alone do it and then do it every single day of the week, and function as a normal human. I cannot believe that I did not have alcohol withdrawals. Yeah,
1: I was gonna ask you. Did you ever go through withdrawals?
2: Um, I didn't go through alcohol withdrawals. I went through cocaine withdrawals. Um, and then I also went through Xanax withdrawals from trying to get over the cocaine withdrawals. Okay. Um, ended up no alcohol withdrawal. I I, as, I mean. Feeling like shit when I first quit drinking was just thinking I'm finally just getting this out of my system. I mean, I didn't have like the
1: shake, sweaty hallucinations, no, didn't season, have, nothing like I didn't have that.
2: any alcohol draws. I mean, and for the last from 21 basically until when I got 23 when I got my uh, DWI, I had steadily drank a significant amount of alcohol on a daily basis. I mean, I'm talking $100 beer t- or bar tabs at two for ones on a daily basis and then going home with the leader. And I could not believe i didn't yeah. didn't feel any withdrawals from that, but then I'd go on a week long Coke bender and I would feel it for the next two weeks.
0: That's really interesting mm. um, i I remember the the chemical dependency uh, person that I was talking to in the hospital. Um, I forget the number that I blew.
1: You're a 0.11. it was your serum alcohol.
0: so i
1: no I, you were, you blew a 0.11 here. okay when yeah when they did a breathalyzer and that was a weak blow when yeah he, so
0: i so i remember having that conversation with this this uh, cd person um and i was like it you know that doesn't sound like anything it doesn't like a normal alcoholic it feel, i feel like their numbers are super high and she was like that between 0.11 and 0.13 are the people that i worry about the most they seem to like have this illusion or delusion that they have it under control and that that number is low she said that in her experience those people seem to have the biggest problem with using yeah which is i thought was super interesting very
1: interesting yeah
0: because and i and i think that it's by the time that person is caught or having to deal with their situation that just happens to be the number that that they are at when they're having to face whatever consequence. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm no, saying?
1: No, yeah, because if you think about it, I don't know when you stopped drinking that night, and then I mean, obviously you had an incident that kind of put you a little altered in your mind state then too. But yeah, when you blew into the breathalyzer, it was like point one one, and I've seen weak blows in the ER, and that was, yours was a very weak blow, and even the officer said that so. you were
0: there when I blew.
1: Mm-hmm. I was standing with the officer holding you
0: up while you blew. Oh. I I don't I didn't remember you being there for that part
2: of it. I don't remember when I was arrested talking to anybody. I called my mom, and my sister from the jail. I read the only time that I, only thing I remember from my entire arrest, then the entire night until I woke up in that in the jail cell in the hole. Not just in jail, I was in the hole, and recognized What's the what, hole. So the, the hole is like the segregation in the jail. Basically, they put inmates there when they do something they shouldn't, like fighting. You go to oh, the hole okay. instantly. Mm-hmm. It's like a like a calm down room. There's no lights. There's no windows. There's, I mean, there's a light, a constant light on, but there's no windows. You have no sense of time. You don't get a blanket. You don't get a pillow. Oh my God. You got the mattress that's on there on a concrete pad and that's it. There's nothing else in there. Uh, they cover the mat over the window. Um, on mine and, uh, on mine, basically, I had an aggression tag on my window, um, because at the point when I was put in there, it was because I was being aggressive. Okay. And I have no recollection of this. When I woke up in jail that day, I had to hit the intercom after 20 minutes of sitting on the floor trying to figure out what I could have possibly done to get here. Uh, I had to go ask how what I was in there for, and they told me I was there for being arrested for DWI. The only thing I had to say back to them is, what the fuck do you mean I got a DWI? I was at my own fucking house. Oh, wow. And I had no recollection. And then I got my affidavit back. And I read the entire thing. I don't remember a single thing happening besides when that officer asked me to, he asked me how much I had to drink. And I told him, well, evidently a lot. And then when he asked me to do a field sobriety test, I told him, nope, not doing this dog and pony show. Just take me to jail. It's the only thing I remember from my entire arrest.
1: Is that when you decided to get sober then was after your DWI? Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. I basically, I woke up and woke up in jail. I had spent the weekend there. Um, my mom came uh, to court for me on Monday. Uh, She wasn't too adamant on getting me out. Uh, She had wanted me to be on the home breathalyzer system, which basically I got two options for my bail. Uh, I had a $10,000 bail with no, don't have any consequences. Basically, I could just let go and I had to show back up for court. Or I had a $1,000 bail, but with the exception that I have a home breathalyzer system um, to monitor me basically to keep sure that I wasn't drinking. And my mom did not believe that I was going to do, that I was going to stay sober if yeah. she got me out of jail. Yeah
0: sure but did you have the one where it would take your photo too
2: um so i actually didn't i, I ended up getting the uh the ten thousand dollar bail oh, oh uh but with the condition because of what i blew we my lawyer had said that i was gonna need a breathalyzer in my car either way they weren't gonna give me a work permit they were gonna give me a breathalyzer and so my mom said okay we'll do that then okay and but yeah i got a picture taken on me uh so i basically have to blow into it to start the vehicle um, it goes off once after every, uh, once the first time after five to 10 minutes and then every 20 to 45 minutes after that, uh, depends on the time of day and like day of the week. So like Monday through thir- Monday through Wednesday, it doesn't go off that much. Like pretty much every 40 minutes it'll go off. But the second we get to Friday or Thursday night where it's Thursday, Thursday at 5 PM, every mm. 20 minutes it goes off. Oh, and wow. it's the same way the entire weekend. Like driving here, I, I live in Coon Rapids. And driving here it went off probably three times, and I'm only forty minutes from here Wow, um man it's uh, the uh, the people that i w- well
1: wait wait, I wanna keep going, so that so you decided after that to get sober oh
2: yeah, yeah. sorry Thank I, you. uh yeah i basically when I woke up in jail that was to me it was that was it, yeah, um the week prior. So,
1: what, so when your mom got you out, did she talk to you about it? Like Riley, now um, I'm concerned about you. Yeah. that's like,
2: It finally all came out. Basically when I, when it got to that point where I was in jail for it, uh, my mom was crying when I got in the car. It was like, we got to, we got to fix this bud. Yeah. Like it's, it's time to change. Um, yeah. I, was, I And for me, that was the realization. Uh, it's, I was doing so good on probation um, for something prior before this that happened. I've been on probation since I was, Going back to stupid decisions under the influence. Sure. And I was doing really good, and then I did this, and could have went to prison for doing this, and yeah. fucked up. I'm like, okay, because you violated your probation. Yeah. yeah okay. So I actually got, I didn't, I didn't, didn't end up getting in trouble for my DWI. I was in trouble for my uh, probation violation for committing the DWI. Okay. So, uh, at that point, I got, I mean, I got extremely lucky with only having to do 30 days, uh, pay fines, and then follow whatever my, I basically got court ordered to go to the therapist, um, Hmm. when I was arrested and they were talking to me about why, why I drank that much. Um, I basically told them that's the only thing that makes me not want to kill myself. And from that, that statement I gave them, they basically court ordered me to see a therapist. Um, and then I had to do whatever she says, uh, basically had to do whatever she told me I had to do. Um, and that was my conditions of release. Okay. Uh, it was just the 30 days, pay the fine. And then I have to do uh, therapy have to do therapy it wasn't yeah. an option and if, were you
1: open to therapy then at that <laughs> point nope
2: i was not for therapy <laughs> in the slightest bit i actually pushed out doing therapy for almost a year until i physically got warned that if i do not start doing this they're just gonna say you're done and th- then i finally went and did my intake um they decided to put me in emdr therapy mm-hmm. uh for uh, ptsd mm-hmm. and was not about it. I, um, very first visit, I was very open about it. And that you I, weren't
1: into therapy? Yeah, I okay. told
2: her, I'm like, told her everything that's going on. I like, explained, like, yeah, I've I've done therapy. It doesn't work for me. I'm not a fan of it. I, yeah. I don't like talking to strangers. I don't like talking about my problems to myself, let alone tell somebody I don't fucking know. Yeah. And she was very, I understand. And she asked me the question. She asked me the same question on my my last day of therapy. Which I still continue to, uh, was to continuing to go until this COVID stuff started. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, I personally don't. I don't do good on Facetime calls. Yeah, it's not I, for me.
1: I feel like people don't feel that um, yeah. contact. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's a, a little different for yeah. people. Yeah. So
2: once it, once everything opens up and in person visits will start again, I'll probably end up going back.
1: So interesting. You went in not being open. She. What, asked, what was it that?
2: <laughs> um. Just the my night terrors. I mean, I deal I deal with night terrors almost every night of the week to the point where I only sleep two hours a night. And then I'm a nutcase throughout the day because I'm so exhausted exhausted Mm -hmm. that I just don't think things through and I'm very irritated about everything. Like I said, the, the first thing she asked me, basically, she asked me this question on my first day and then my discharge day was, what do you want to accomplish in therapy? And my answer was not anything to do with benefiting myself. My answer was to get probation to leave me the fuck alone. Mm. And so that was my first one. And then she asked me the same question when she was sending my paperwork in to my probation to say, like, hey, he doesn't need to come here anymore. He's choosing to come here. Yeah. And she asked what I what I had benefited or what I want to continue. If I can continue therapy, what why do I want to be there? What do I want to accomplish with being in therapy? And it went from wanting probation to leave me the fuck alone to I want to be able to get more than four hours of sleep a night. Mm. Like, mm. it got so bad the first month I did the therapy. Um, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with EMDR. I am, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It gets. It works.
1: P- yeah. It's like you basically you you can explain because you actually um, have gone through it.
2: Yeah. So basically, they bring up every terrible thing that you have ever gone through, and you get to sit and talk about it, and talk about it, and talk about it. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's a repetition every week. You learn one new thing to go and talk about the same other things you've been talking about and it gets so much worse before it gets better to the point where I was like, you know what, they can fucking arrest me. I'm not putting myself through this anymore because I went from the first month, I went from sleeping two to four hours a night to now I can't sleep at all because I'm panicking the entire night. And I'm like, this isn't fucking worth it. They can throw me in jail. I don't care. And then something just happened. It finally started. I started learning the exercises. A lot of it's like tapping, uh, tapping repetitions. And uh, I finally started trying to use them at home when it would happen. And the first night that I did it and it didn't, it it worked. I passed out while doing it and I slept until my alarm went off at four o'clock in the morning. Oh wow. And from that point on, I was like, okay, it's, we're getting somewhere. It's I've had to, I had a very closed mind about a lot of things up until getting sober and once getting sober, just opening, being able to open my mind to other things and realizing, okay, maybe if you're not such a dink about doing it and just try it versus just shutting it out, like be open to it, maybe it'll work and it started to work. And I
1: think it's just, it's such a long process. It
2: is. And it's, it's a, such a long process. And And it's traumatizing. Oh, that's the thing is I can, you relive all those traumas. I can totally understand why it does not work for a lot of people and why it makes it worse for a lot of people. It made me to the point where there, i if it wasn't for the government not being able to... If I wasn't... Well, how do I say this? It was for the best interest in me that I cannot own a gun. It oh. To that point where I'm like, I can't fucking do this anymore. My yeah. meds aren't helping. This bitch is making me go insane. I'm reliving everything I never wanted to talk about. I've been bottling this up for 24 years, and now I get to fucking sit and relive it all day, every day. Sober. Sober, yeah. That And that was my hardest thing with, the, with doing the therapy, because I feel like the therapy wouldn't have benefited me at all if i wasn't if, if i wasn't sober. Mm-hmm. i feel like i would just it would just be and i think it would have sparked more of my rage while blacked out versus now that i'm now that i did sober yeah, it made it a lot worse. it's traumatizing. i mean, i fucking there's so much stuff that got brought up that like i thought was an okay thing and then when my therapist jaw dropped as i said this with such calm and she just says, you, you realize that how you're saying this and how you're talking about this and how you react. with this is not that's not a normal thing to go through. And that's not a normal reaction to push that off.
0: That's what I was trying to get at earlier, too. Yeah. Like, There's so many fucked up things that we go through that it's not until you say it to the right person and they go, oh,
2: hey. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't yeah. have to deal with that. Some of the things like, yeah, just the things that I've said and like, I have no problem, like had no problem thinking about them. I like, yeah, it's not that it's not that bad. Could have been a lot worse and they're like that's not like that's <laughs> yeah. that's what makes people do the things that they do it's like thinking that how you were treated and that these things that happened to you well they were okay because nothing happened to the people that did it to them so now you get that mindset that well if they can fucking do it to me why can't i do whatever i want to whatever whoever i want wow. and like it just yeah. i think a lot of my my anger and my issues with people and my views on people is because of how I was treated and how my reactions to how I was being treated were not valued as anything. Mm -hmm. The more of a, you're a kid or don't be a pussy or while we're on that topic, I am so sick of the male stigma of be a man. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. I finally started crying about my problems and man, did they start getting a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but that was the stigma I grew up with. I mean, even as a little boy, a kid should cry. Kids should cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You should be able to think your emotions and allow your emotions to come out. I spent 24, 23 years bottling them up and not letting anybody see it. I or thought, it was coming out as anger yeah, instead. Yeah, or yeah, it was coming out, coming out destructive. Sadness became most yeah. destructive and anger. Yep. Yeah, and that's and I never had an answer for what I was doing. Yeah.
0: Well, are you okay? Like. Uh, Let me ask this first. Are you okay with talking about BPD stuff? Yeah. So when it comes to your diagnosis, like how old were you when somebody had had brought up uh, BPD?
2: Uh, So I actually didn't get diagnosed with the BPD. I got uh, diagnosed with manic depressive disorder. Okay. Um, Which how I was explained, I mean, you might have a better explanation Mm -hmm. than what I have. How I was explained it is it's basically bipolar disorder, but in a longer, like, not as often of transitions and in a long, it stays longer basically is like your mood swings instead of it just being like a constant flip. Oh, it's, you go from months of being happy to the next day you're on the edge of ending it. Okay. Um, that didn't happen for me until a couple, couple months ago. Oh really? Yes. It would have been last summer whenever I started going to therapy and went and saw a psychiatrist. I mean, I, I had been brought up to, they had thought I had it my entire life. I mean, I've, I've been committed to a psych ward multiple times. The first time I was seven years old. So, what? Or eight, sorry, eight years old. The first time I went to an institution, or I got locked up for saying I was going to kill myself was I was eight years old with a pair of scissors in my mom's back of her van. Like, I mean, for people, that's like, realizing that now, and like, when I hear people say that depression's all in your head, thank you. No shit. <laughs> I would have never guessed. Like it's all in your head. Yeah, it's a mental fucking disorder. Yeah. No shit. And like realizing that that I did, I try to do that at that young of an age. Why do I even know what that is? Yeah, for one, yeah. And for two, why is that going through an eight-year-old's head? Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I. Re- I mean, I, I tried so hard to fight that I didn't have mental illness, and that I didn't need to take depression meds. I don't need pills to be happy. Yeah. And now it's. I need my meds or it's it's not gonna go well yeah. it's I'm too on edge I have the manic depressive disorder and when I get into one of my swings is what they call them, like in the one of the one of the swings with it it goes from I'm okay to dude like do we need to commit you I mean I had this conversation with someone today earlier, do you need to be committed I'm like no I just I need I needed my meds back yeah and i've been it's the only problem with meds is getting when you are on the meds for so long and then you have an issue with getting them refilled i'm on week two right now of not having my medications for manic depressive disorder i have been on a downward swing to the point where today i if my little brother wasn't with me in my car i literally was about to drive into traffic and just be done and it's like every five minutes i'm just like yeah, it's not that bad, but I really just don't want to do this anymore. I can't take this shit anymore. Yeah. And well, fuck,
0: man. Okay. So. So when you used to bring up BPD to me, yeah, um, it was in a way that like, you you wanted to make sense of how you were feeling, yeah, and because people had thrown this label on you, yeah. Um, you almost wore it as like a, a yield sign. Yeah. like, Hey, pause am I d I'm I'm doing this because of my BPD. Yeah, I know this is why a, I'm
2: it was a crutch for me. I use it as a Yeah, there we as go. As a crutch. It was a, this is why I'm acting like this.
0: But not... I think more like when I what I saw in you was you just wanted it to make sense.
2: Yeah, it's there's so many things that don't make sense to me still. I mean, and that's I nothing would have ever made sense if I didn't quit drinking. And yeah. now it's like I've had the last twenty months to re- re- recollect and reflect on what I've done in the last twenty three years, and it's a lot of things don't make sense. And I tried to use I know I used to use a lot of things like my depression and my anxiety and that what they thought was bipolar disorder as a crutch to go on. Well, this is why I fucking act like this. It's not my fault. Mm. It's there's nothing I can do about it. Which at this time, if if I would have been asked what I could have done about this now versus back then, I would have given you, "Well, there's nothing I can fucking do. This is how I am." Versus now, it's like I'm doing everything I can. I'm putting in the work with a therapist. I'm on my medications. I'm talking about things. I don't. I have a really hard time opening up about anything. Anything with anyone because I don't trust anybody. Like I feel. I feel like I can't trust anybody because my whole life, the people that I should have been trusting, I couldn't fucking trust to even keep me safe.
0: Yeah. Well, like, and I I found out recently um that. And and it sucks because when you you've had that label, like you start to think that any reaction that you have is because of that. Um, th- so a thing that I found out was that people's words and opinions feel like they're they're directed towards you and a question of your character potentially with every conversation, and so every every little argument has so much weight and when, when you walk around and, and have conversations like that so often um, you're gonna, I, I can't think of anybody who would be able to do that without lashing out from yeah. time to time. And like coupled with the environment that you were in. And I just, that's a net, Yeah. I've, I've, I've always wanted to stay <laughs> connected to you because yeah. I, I have always seen that, that side of you that, I truly enjoy. I'm lucky that like I've only gotten. I'm I'm only ever around you at like your best.
2: Yeah, and see that's like, <laughs> that's a totally understanding. I think the only time you've ever seen me having one of my bad times wasn't even a bad time because I was at a show. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, he's fucked up, but he's enjoying himself. <laughs> like you never had to deal with what what we describe. I call it Riley Ups. Oh, um, we all we all joked. Uh, I, Riley Ups is dead. His last name obviously it's when i would get fucked up and drink or do drugs riley ups came out it was it was no longer riley downs it was riley ups wow it was this new person this is fun riley this is exciting riley this is a fucking try him and let's see like things are going to get cool like wow and it's it was like there's a whole different side of me with that other persona and it was like people didn't see that a lot of people, even when I was drinking, sometimes they'd only see the Riley downside of it. They never saw the Riley upside of it. Yeah, like, would be at a show having a great time. Oh, drunk Riley's a blast. Now we're leaving the show. I'm a eight ball deep in coke and a fucking hundred and twenty dollar bar tab, driving home. And now this is where the real party's about to start. Where I'm blacked out, and my mind starts seeing things happen, and I go from being fun to what the fuck is this psycho doing real quick and it doesn't make sense a lot of the things i've done don't don't even make sense like it's
0: that's why. like only a couple of times where i think you could actually hear me getting frustrated with you was because that didn't make sense to me because there is this side of you that i knew that if if only people if this was the only version of people that or the only version of you that people got to see, then they would see the person that, yeah. that I love calling my friend and that, that I, you know, enjoy having these conversations with and like, yeah. So it would just, it sucks. And it's different now that I know, like, cause even up until I, I actually went to treatment, like we still had those conversations of like, why can't you just handle one drink? What, like me. what? A, yeah. Well, anybody. Oh. Like, yeah. It, it wasn't just I you. Like that
2: all the time. I still go out with friends to this day. I'll be out with friends, and they'll ask me if I want a beer or something. And I'm like, no. And they're like, hey, w- one day when we're sitting around, and it's okay. You'll be able to just have one and be done. I'm like, no. That's my problem. That's how it started. Every time I got sober, <laughs> that's how it fucking started again. Is I'm just gonna have a beer. One beer turned into two. Yeah. Once a and week. And then it goes back to whiskey. Turned, yeah. Then yeah. it goes back to okay. Let's take a shot. All right. Now we're doing mixies. Yeah. And now I'm back to balls deep and a liter of whiskey every single fucking day. But, and it's it's a repeating pattern.
0: Yeah. But the, what but what I was trying to say was that idea that just snap out of it. Yeah. Like if I just tell you in like this sober manner yeah. that you can be normal yeah. if I just say it. it no, just control fucking, yourself. It's yeah. like,
2: fuck you. It's it insane. doesn't work like that. Just because your brain can work like that doesn't mean my brain can work like that. Yeah. My brain doesn't work the way it should, I think, half the time that's what I get a lot of anxiety because I try to comprehend things and I just can't even, I can't comprehend it. And I don't know if it's because I'm just not listening. I don't know if it's because of something that's wrong with me. I don't know if it's because of my previous brain damage. It's like my brain doesn't work the same way. Like our brains don't work the same way. That's why I like yeah. talking with. Them. That's why our friendship has worked. You, you're able to listen to what has happened. And instead of seeing me as a piece of shit, you can be like, why did this happen? And we can talk and talk about why this happened and you can understand why it's why it happened versus just instantly, well fuck him. Yeah. Like
0: Yeah man. And yeah, and especially now like I am like you're the only Well yeah. I I have friends who are in recovery, but you're the closest to what I went through. As far as like the mental health side of things, which yeah. a lot of people don't want to talk about, like yeah. once the addiction's done, then it's all fucking sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. Like, that's not gonna be like when I was after withdrawals were done, uh, my body was like, Oh, hey, I don't know if you remember or not, but we have anxiety and yeah. major depression, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, my like, I would just cry or I would have, have panic, these, attacks. yeah, these massive panic attacks. Yeah because i had suppressed that shit for so long so like sobriety is only the beginning of like it it just sobriety really just means that you now are with an unaltered mind able to kind of confront the world
2: yeah process what you've been through yeah it's i don't I, i totally understand where you're coming from with that it's like people don't realize that underlying reason like even if you only see the good like only if you saw the good side of me drunk or me fucked up. You only saw the good times. Well, what could have been causing that? Even if I'm having a good time at the moment, I promise you, an hour before I started drinking, I wasn't having that good time. And it, was, it wasn't it was like that was just – it wasn't – it's not that that was just a one-time thing like that. It was every time, every single day, I didn't want to deal with my depression. I didn't want to deal with my problems. I still – there's a lot of times I don't want to deal with my problems, but the only difference is now I can't – I don't have blacking out as a crutch to lean on is now I can't just push that problem away from my head is it's going to stay there and I need to figure out a way to fix it. Yeah. And those underlying things like, I, yeah, just no, I did. Yeah. I'm yeah. That's why I feel lucky
0: to have like to have you as a friend. So it sounds and correct me if I'm wrong. Did you go to treatment?
2: Uh, I did not go to treatment. I, uh, I started attending AA meetings. Okay. Um, I also refused to do the steps. Okay. Uh, I had a mutual understanding with the leader of the of the program that I was with, basically.
0: But you how So how did you actually achieve sobriety then? Um, Like, did you quit cold turkey? I
2: quit to- cold turkey. I got out of jail on Monday morning coming down. I ended up, I actually did a bunch of molly uh, the night I got arrested. I don't even remember doing that. The last thing I remember from my night is doing a beer bong of what I thought was beer. And it was a beer bong completely full of black velvet. Jesus killing it burping saying well that was stupid and walking to my back door and that's the last thing I remember for my entire night And I got out that that monday monday night. I think I got out of jail And decided I'm like, I can't do this anymore And it's it went cold turkey. I cut off a lot of friends I quit doing my my favorite thing the thing that I love the most and i'm still not doing it was shooting shows oh, I, I love music music's my life. I got into the music scene and was fortunate enough to become friends with a lot of local musicians that opened up opportunities for me and I still have opportunities that I could take and I just I I physically can't I had to take for me to focus on my sobriety without doing the treatment aspect is I had to cancel a lot of my life I put a lot of things on hold I put a lot of friendships on hold oh there's a lot of friends that I don't even talk to anymore it was unless they say hey I mean yeah. if I bump into them and then when I bump into them it's like I still can't be around you. Like it's I can't I can't put myself around that kind of shit anymore. And that's
0: that's what's so interesting to me and I don't think we we I definitely we haven't talked about it. But I don't I you don't hear about that anymore. People trying that and succeeding. Yeah. It's a lot more rare than like it, especially because everything is so accessible now yeah. and it's integrated into so many activities that getting away from an environment that would make you think that you're okay to drink is so fucking hard. Oh yeah. So when I, you're trying yeah. to do it on your own, it's like, how the fuck?
1: But even you going to treatment, I was nervous. Cause like, I know alcohol is everywhere. I'm not dumb, yeah. but like my drive from here to Hazleton it's like dealer, dealer, Chris's dealers right there, right there, right there, right there. Like yeah. one time we were going even through the small town right where the treatment center is. And I was with, uh, we went, I went with Chris's parents a lot. And I'm like a dealer, 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 dealer. Like how hard is it to stay sober when your dealer is literally on every, every corner, block, yeah. every corner it's at the bullying alley, movie theater. I mean,
2: it's everywhere. I quit doing, I, I put myself into more of a depression my first three months of being sober, getting sober then I think I dealt with my entire life. And it was because I made the, I made a constant decision that I can't let my family down anymore. I can't let myself down anymore. Like, I don't know how many times that I'm going to wake up in a hospital bed and wake up again. I've had every time i try to kill myself, I've been blacked out, hammered besides the first time when I was eight years old, my response almost every time was why am I cuffed to the bed? Did I hurt somebody? No, you tried to kill yourself. And I just, Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's, that's all I had to say about it. I mean, like, I've had so many times, like, why the why did I wake up? I shouldn't have woken up. And I just, I can't put myself in that anymore. And I can't put that on my family anymore as much. I mean, I love my family a lot, but I care about myself more than I care about my family. As, that might sound selfish to say. No, that's. But I had to take, I had to do it for me and not anybody else. I wasn't ready. The other times I tried to get sober, I wasn't ready. Yeah, I was trying to do it for somebody else, but I didn't want it for myself. I woke up in that jail cell and decided that I, I didn't want to be there anymore. This isn't who I am. And took those first three months, I cut everybody off. I quit responding to friends if they couldn't respect any of my friends that had been with me that night for my when I got my DWI, I cut off. The week prior, if we go back to my the night I got arrested, the week prior I had just been put on back on an antidepressant that I knew I had a history of. If I drank on, I blackout in a couple sips and I'm totally unpredictable that's when I do the most fucked up shit is when I drink on this medication so I hadn't drank for the entire week prior we go to have a Halloween party at my house and I'm having friends and I'm at the bar and they're fucking pouring shots in my drink like come on just take one come on it's Halloween party Mm -hmm. we can do this I'm like well fine I finally after two hours I finally gave in and my worst fear happened I'm sorry is I blacked out and I woke up in a jail cell and yeah. didn't know, I didn't know if I hurt anybody. I didn't know if I killed somebody. I didn't know if I burnt someone's house down. I mean, there's so many things running through my head that I could have possibly done that were so drastic, but I wouldn't have put it past me because yeah. I'm so unpredictable. And I finally asked and to find that I, it was just, I. well, to me, I shouldn't say it was just drinking and driving, but I got arrested. My DWI was sleeping in my car when I was arrested. I wasn't driving my vehicle. I had already fucked up prior to that. But I was arrested sleeping on the side of the road in an off vehicle. Yeah,
0: um, that speaks so much to what you've been through. Is the sense of relief from just drinking and drinking. Yeah,
2: that's. I mean, that's such a shitty thing to say. But at the same time, it's like I know it could have been a lot worse. I don't want to talk about how worse it could have got. But I yeah. know what I could have. I could have done what I'm yeah. capable of yeah. doing. What I have done. It's. Yeah. It could have been so much worse and getting that DWI was the best thing that's ever happened in my life yeah. it's costed me a lot of money it's costed me friendships it's, cost, it's costed me a lot I've quit a lot of the things that I love doing the most like shooting shows I, I used to be at shows two, three, four times a week and now I'm at one once every 4 months because I just if it's, they serve alcohol there yeah. and that's where I'm I, I personally think that that is where the place is going to be if I was to ever relapse it's going to be at a show
0: well, think about the bartenders that once they got familiar with you, yeah. giving you free stuff. like
2: As an underage. <laughs> I mean, I, I have not been ID'd for shit since fucking 17 years old. Like, it's amazed me. And like, even if I was underage, you know how easy it is at a lot of these venues? If you just throw them a $5 bill, be like, hey. And they just give you the fucking 21 plus wristband. Like with no consequences, yeah. no one. Once you're in there, they're not checking a thing. As long mm. as that one security guard, if you you've been there enough and you know that security guard, you throw them a five, you throw them a ten, you throw him a little bit of weed, you give him a little bump, you're gonna get be able to drink. And then you go inside, and it's the bartenders. You throw him a twenty dollar tip on your first rounds. The rest of the night, your drinks went from having one shot to now it's three fourths booze and one shot of pop. Right. Like, yeah. Just the easily I easily establish relationships with people to my advantage
0: yeah with like photography people thought that we were cool yeah like regardless of how quote unquote cool we actually were like we were just thrown into that category like you know that bands yeah you're with the band you're the second you go behind the railing
2: like oh you can walk back there like yeah you want to come back no one you can just do that i'm like yeah i'm riley downs man like that was like (laughs) To me, it was like, "Yeah, I'm, I know I'm not as cool as I was, but to everybody else thinking that, I'm like, yeah, dude, this is a f- yeah. people yeah. buy me drinks, people offering yes. shit.' Constantly. Yeah, that's exactly like, what like, I was the whole time say. we were on tour. The f- both first two times I went on tour, I is that f- with uh, Ice Nine. Uh, no, I went on tour with the Villain of the Story. Oh, oh, that's right. Um, the the actually all three tours I went on them with. Uh, I was able to find whatever drug I wanted at every stop with little to no money. It was. I mean, without even a try, we were in Texas. We were in Texas for five fucking minutes, and I walked outside and saw some dude that was sniffing. And I was like, "Hey, you know?" And within five <laughs> minutes, I had a ball of coke. Like, and no, no one in the band knew I had it. Like, I was so not only am I able to acquire everything, I'm able to acquire it and do it, and no, no one, one knows. knows. Yeah. yeah. And then just being a part of the band, we go inside. Well, guess what? We got three free pitchers of beer, and because I'm with the crew, I drink for free too. Like. Yeah, oh, man. you're with the band? Let me buy you a shot. Let's talk. Like, what's it like? Like, oh, yeah. y- we can go on the bus. Here, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you want to meet them? You want to do more than just talk to them? Quit at the fucking quick at the fucking uh, merch table. Well, here, just walk back with me, smoke a cig. We'll go talk to a couple of the members.
1: I want to go back to something though um, that we were talking about previously is that you weren't ready to get sober until you were ready. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we talk about I talk about that a lot with family members because. People come into the yard. ER, they're intoxicated. This is—they're always drunk. This and that. It's like they—you need—we want to we wanna force that person into treatment. You can't force no. people to get help. You can commit people. Yeah. Yep. So a county can commit somebody. But even I've seen people who have been committed to do treatment come out and they use because they are not ready. You can't no. force people to be ready. That's,
2: that was my biggest thing. Is as much as I wanted to change for everybody around me. All it really made me do is be more secretive of what I was doing. Yeah. It, it wasn't a, I didn't want to change. It was a, I can do a bunch of drugs and drink and go to work and no one's going to fucking notice. All right, cool. I can continue doing this. Oh, I can go to family events and I just railed a huge ass line in my off my phone in the car and no one's going to say yeah. a thing to me.
1: That's like the first time when I thought Chris was sober. I would, had talked to his parents about it and his mom was very much like, we need to get him into treatment. We need to do this. We need to do that. And me telling her like, he doesn't want that. No, we can't force him to do it. And then if they uh, don't
2: realize they have the problem. Yeah, and realize the thing you have is, a is,
1: at that point he didn't even realize like, he was hiding at That at that yeah. point
2: that he was drinking, and I didn't even know it.
1: Yeah,
2: and it probably wasn't even thought, thought of it as a problem. It was, uh, well, I'm just not going to do this because you think I have a problem, or you yeah. think this is an issue. Well, if you just don't know where the issue go, yeah, the yeah, issue's no that's, longer here. Yeah,
0: that's a, that's the thing that we were talking about earlier is that like if you can convince somebody else to be sober, that's good enough. Yeah. Or wait, let me say that again. If you can convince somebody that they think you're sober, that's good as enough. close to sobriety that you need to get. Yeah. Cause really all you're trying to do is get that judgment out of the way. Yep. Uh, I would say all the time, I wouldn't have a problem if people didn't think that I have a problem. Yeah. And, and like the things were getting so close to being like completely out of control. Like, I snorted a line of Adderall uh, on on New Year's Eve and from that point on, like, the only reason I wasn't doing cocaine was because I
2: didn't have access to cocaine. Yeah. Like I a hundred there's That's what's scared to me right now is I still have access to anything that I want. I deleted and blocked everybody off my phone and I'm getting text messages from dealers that I used to have off new phone numbers. Hey bro, where you at? Like Hey, I know you don't do this anymore, but like can you push this for me or do like do you know anybody that needs this or people mm-hmm. text me like yo, I know you don't do blow anymore, but can you find me some it's like yeah I could find you some but you have n- you don't have enough respect for me in my sobriety that you can't fuck off Like yeah. if you I, I don't care you want to go do drugs. I I'm not one to judge you. I don't care You want to do drugs? be my guest do not come to me asking me for my drug of choice to find it for you. If you don't have enough respect for my sobriety, you're not worth my respect as a person personally.
0: Well, I, dude, I, I talked to so many people who didn't seem to get that. Yeah. Like, uh, like I would, I would bring that up all the time to people because they tell you like, before you're going to leave, like delete those contacts, get all that stuff out of there. But people would say like, you know, those are my friends, you know, I don't, and, and I would bring up, I would say, do the dealers, know how to get a hold of you
2: oh yeah they get-
0: and if you were as good of a customer as you're claiming to be they're they don't want
2: to let go of you no why would they when they're making 300 bucks off me almost a day yeah people did like i was I felt selling like drugs I was- to pay for another drug habit like sell, yeah sell shit that i don't do i'm like okay i'm just gonna sell all of this just so i can afford to do the do my 300 hundred dollar a day habit
0: i felt like i was a crazy person because nobody believe me that that it's not as easy. It's not as
2: easy as you think. Like everyone's like, oh, you can just delete the contact and block them. Last week, literally, uh, last week I got a uh, phone call off a number I didn't know. They called me five times. It's one o'clock in the morning. I finally answer it. I'm like, what the fuck do you want? Hey, is this Riley? Yeah, it is. Hey man, you know where I get some blow at? (laughs) No, get the fuck out of here. I freaked out about it. I I have not actually yelled at somebody. I usually don't get mad anymore. I try, I try really hard to... I've, I have I an anger issue. It's... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the first to admit it. I have an anger issue. So instead of getting angry about things, I turn into a smart ass about it. That's my way of coping with it. I'm going to make a joke. That's. I'm not going to get mad because when I get mad, I do stupid things. It's... I know... I know every... Although the only reason I laugh is because I... Yeah. Yeah, no, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's like some things I just can't keep my mouth shut on and I know I need to. But it's... I... I lost my shit on them it's like you're calling me at early as shit in the morning asking for drugs and you start your qu- start your sentence with i know you don't do this anymore but if you are calling me and your sentence starts with that don't ask don't even bother calling me yeah like it's done like but they don't even have i didn't even have their number in my phone like if they if they want to get to a hold of you get a hold of you if they want to push something to you they're going to fucking get a hold of you. Like it's not as easy as even changing your phone number. You can change your phone number that dealer if they really want your phone number they're going to find your phone number.
0: Yeah. yeah. Especially if you ever helped them get customers.
2: Yep. Oh yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. All you have to do is find someone that I hooked them up with and they'll get my phone number for them. Yeah. That's why I haven't changed my number. There's no I know changing my number is going to do nothing besides lose all the contacts that I've made for other things sure and when i go to message them they're like well i don't have this number saved so yeah yeah like
1: or you can be an alcoholic and your dealer's just everywhere yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah that's an even scarier thing that is very scary i mean i think alcohol to me is one of the worst drugs you can do yeah and i've pe- heard a lot of people say that well and a lot of people disagree with me because like well not everybody has a problem with it not everybody has a problem with doing coke not everybody has a problem with doing pills. Not a, some. You can go and do yeah. drugs and be okay and then you go do something else and you're not okay with it. Yeah. Not everybody is the same. And yeah. alcohol is a recurring pattern that it ruins lives. And when that person can't handle it, either they're forced to get help or worse. It's yeah. either you get the help, you're, you get to a point, there's no, when it comes to being an alcoholic, in my eyes, there's no growing out of it. It's something happened and now it's time for change or something doesn't happen and you ruin everything and everyone you cared about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, it's the only type of withdrawals that will, it'll literally, it'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like,
1: I mean, the other ones you'll feel like shit
2: yeah, awful. Well, yeah. You'll
1: want to feel like you want to die. Yeah. But, but alcohol withdrawals will, it, well, it can kill, kill you. you. Yeah. A hundred
0: percent. Yeah. Well, and we've said it on here quite a few times now, but, um, to quote Dr. Drew, um, it's not the substance that is inherently evil. It's an inanimate object. It's the environment and the individual. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how well you are able to cope with it. Once somebody has said that they are not able to, you have you have to take that as serious as somebody who says they're a diabetic. Yeah. You're not going to take a diabetic fucking trick-or-treating. Yeah. Like, don't expect somebody who has a problem and says that they're not comfortable with that stuff to just get over it and go along the ride with you for, you know, I just, it's more, it's so much more than just, um, you're not
1: going to expect someone with heart disease, go to the Texas roadhouse and get them the biggest steak full of all the fat and be like, eat the whole thing right now. I want to watch you eat it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're not going to take somebody and place them in the environment. Mm -hmm. It's, because it's more than, like, I'm not telling you you have to drink, or I'm not telling you you have to yeah. do a line with me, but can you be by my side while I do all of yeah. this shit? Like, you've got to know that it it the strongest person, if it's thrown at you enough, can break you. Any, anything, anything over time can break you down, and, and you can end up doing that shit all over again.
2: I, uh... A lot of the problem that I see with a lot of people that have the opinions of why can't you just do this is because they've never had to deal with it. They've never had to feel the addiction. And me personally, I feel like every person has an addict in them. They just haven't found it. That's to me. That's my personal view on it. I think everybody has an addiction to something. They just haven't found it yet. And until they find it, they'll never understand. Yeah. Unless you've gone through it, unless you've been whether you personally are an addict or you have a family member that's an addict girlfriend whatever it whoever it may be until you've gone through it and witnessed this or done it yourself you you're never gonna understand it fully yeah and a lot of that's another part like a one of my new favorite things i have been saying some should be listening here some are talking when they should be listening oh yeah and that's huge with me on especially on this topic i'm not when i talk about i don't talk about sobriety openly a lot because when i try to talk about it i get a lot of it's not that hard to be sober. It might not be that hard for you, but it is for me. And if you can't respect that, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I
0: I hate when, um, like before I had like, like actually committed to, um, you know, going to treatment and all that stuff. People telling me how long they had gone without drinking. Cool. It was like, what? what? Okay. Was it because you were doing it from morning until night? Like What? I don't fucking That's, care that you went yes. two weeks without drinking. Who gives Same a thing. shit?
2: I can go. I don't have to drink. I just drink every fucking day of the week, but I don't have a problem. <laughs> like, fucking good for you. Then fucking quit. Or wait yeah. till you fuck up. Then when you fuck up and decide you can quit and you can't, call me and I'll be there for you. For yeah. so, sober support.
0: Yeah. like Or like, I <laughs> I haven't drank in over a month, dude. Uh, Well, except for a couple of times. But yeah. I'm... <laughs>
1: What was that? I don't
0: know. You want to go? Uh... Kim is still taking care of some stuff upstairs, but I I am still fascinated by the concept of like uh, only one substance needs to be removed for you to be sober. Yeah. Or I mean, for your case, it's it's two things. But because um, you still smoke.
2: Yeah. So I, I do have my medicinal card here. Uh, I do smoke quite a bit of weed, but that's all I do. I don't know I get I get looked down on claiming that I'm sober from people, because I still do that, whether it's a medication yeah. or not. But for me, when I think about that, well, even if you're prescribed, it's still a drug. I'm like, okay, then you're addicted to your fucking sleeping med. Yeah, it's no different. Like,
0: well, I mean, so the the reason why I bring it up is because I know. A lot of people who have who smoke weed and are able to stay sober yeah like sobriety does not mean you're like abstinent yeah no Like there's 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 this and I'm not promoting that people should like that like that this just is a you're green sober light for one
2: thing you can do the other like yeah
0: no I, I, I like for me personally I, I can tell that I can't do anything yeah but that's just for me and like And you can say, statistically speaking, once you open up that gateway, if you've already confronted that you're an addict, yada, yada. But I can't help but be fascinated by the amount of people who are smoking weed and do not live these destructive lifestyles anymore.
2: I have friends that were heroin addicts that are no longer that they do coke still or they do pills still and they live a total functioning normal life and they're able to do it every once in a while. But if you get them, they can't, I mean, they used to do heroin and yeah. now it's, It, it I mean, it, it shocks me too. Cause like with me, I think of, I th- I see weed as a completely different thing than a lot of people do. To me, it's a plant. It's a natural thing. It's medication now. I mean, it's, there's so much things that are different with this in my eyes and my views on it. And I know I share different views than everybody else on yeah. it, but I agree that it's, I get looked, I mean, it's frowned upon to say that I'm sober, you're claiming that I'm sober when I still smoke weed. But I am sober. I'm sober from alcohol. I'm sober from Coke. Yeah.
0: Well, and again, it's, it, it, the, because, um, chemical dependency people and, and, um, like drug and alcohol counselors, they're, they, they want to point out, um, what, uh, your substance was taking away from you and the type of scenarios that it was thrusting you into that you didn't have control over. Yeah. And the people that, I mean, a friend of mine has been sober for eight years and like, he doesn't drive high. He's not doing, he's not doing for some reason weed. It has a diff, like it, I, I, I want them to do more research into yeah. that because I'm fascinated as to what is it that's different about this chemical that doesn't make you feel like you have to have it. Cause what happens with, um, with the uh, chemical substance abuse is that you create that pathway. Do you know about that? Like the midbrain and and all that stuff? Yeah,
2: your brain basically creates it so that you trick your brain into thinking that it needs it, basically. So
0: your your midbrain associates... So thousands of years ago, in order to have... uh, To make survival and like they your brain figured out a way to make survival enjoyable so that you would continue to do that thing you would continue to look for food you would continue to drink water a little dopamine kick would happen we took that survival piece out of it but when you introduce substance it still activates that Mm. same thing so your midbrain once addiction finally happens says okay we now know that dopamine is means survival. And since we introduced this thing, we need to make sure that they're constantly looking for that same level. So that's why like people say like they're, they're trying to chase that same high that Uh, they had the first time. It's because your brain literally thinks that it has has to to hit the same level every single time. So, it skips your limbic system which normally is like you contemplating yeah. and goes straight to the prefrontal cortex and so that's why like people are like i it, i didn't even think that i wanted to drink but i was reaching for a bottle before i even knew it was happening yeah. like i so i'm fascinated to to know and again i hope they do research on it why doesn't marijuana i
1: don't think that's true i've seen people freak out when they can't get marijuana no no
0: no no no, no. oh you misunderst you came in late on the conversation. Why for some people who had full blown addictions, marijuana does not do the same thing to them. I I have multiple friends who were alcoholics and I and I was saying this to him before he uh came back down. I know that I have to stay abstinent from everything. I know that I don't have an option because consumption is with food soda whatever like i just have a problem overall with everything yeah but i would love to know why they're able to do this and it's not but some people can have full
1: addictions to heroin and opiates and they can easily just have a drink occasionally and be able to handle that that's the same that's the same concept but i think it's just yeah i don't know
0: so that's the same thing. Why is it that certain chemicals uh. don't activate that same part of the brain and don't make that a survival need on a subconscious level?
2: I've been seeing a lot of two people using a lot of other states with legal mar- uh legal marijuana mm. using uh marijuana as a recovery for substance abuse. Really? Yeah, they it's starting to be used as a treatment program for like opioid addiction. And that's where I want to like the same thing where I kind of question it myself I'm like just because I can handle it so they're using this, what was, 10 years ago, this was a serious drug. I mean, even yeah. within the last, what, two years, the law changed in Minnesota? Yeah. Like, this was a... F- I mean, you were pretty much fucked. if you. Like, what was we- it? Uh,
0: it's a class one Yeah, drug? Or? Um,
2: oh, fuck. I can't remember I, what it got. I
0: forget what they call it, but on a federal level, it's still a class one, which yeah. is the same as heroin and, yeah. and all that shit. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but no, decriminalized here. I mean, just in the last five years, what we've learned about this plant, what it can do... And now that they're using it as a recovery use, we're... Wow.
1: I think that's tricky, though, trying to use it as a recovery tool, because some people can have psychotic episodes oh. from marijuana.
2: Well, see, I said, I think the same thing, though, when you're using, like, methadone. I mean, what I, makes you... I
1: know, and suboxone, Yep, yeah, so, yeah. so like that's, that. that. Yeah, so that amazes
2: me, too. It's, like, where people are like, well, they shouldn't be using weed for that. I'm like, well, then why are they using meth? Why is methadone and suboxone okay? Like, we're... Where does a man made thing make it okay versus a plant not okay? Yeah. And I think it's like research right now. Yeah. I
0: think we're just going to continue to learn.
2: I think we don't know enough. When
0: when scientists have the funding to be able to create a safe version of this thing, like, you know, um, what was the, the old version of aspirin that would kill people? There's a, like, this was decades ago there was uh this old i wish i could remember what it was called this old version of aspirin that would d- just destroy your organs and it was i mean it's just progress like with science they go oh we need to take that out so yeah. over time i i think marijuana, like cannabis is going to be in that same way where they're like this will not get you high at all. This is simply to target inflammation or it's simply CBD. to target. They're, yeah. already,
2: they're already starting to pull it apart.
0: Yeah. Well, and um, with um, psychoactives. Yeah. They're like with the the few states that are able to using do that research.
2: Mushroom, using mushrooms as a cure for depression. Microdose yeah. mushrooms as a cure for depression. Well, s- and psilocybin. Uh, Obsessive compulsive disorder.
0: Yeah. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And it I amazes
2: think, me it's taken this long for them to be open to try it. Yeah, that's what that's what amazing. Like, it blows my mind how long it's taken us to advance when they've been so adamant on making, creating these things in a lab. You're creating shit in a lab, and okay with putting it on the public right away. But there's these things that have been around forever, and you're so adamant on fucking researching it.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I think people associate when they hear weed, even if it's on like you have a medical card, they still picture an. like a drug dealer yeah, giving you that shit and they don't, they don't understand that it's gone through these motions and it's going to continue to change yeah. and it will become as benign as taking Tylenol or taking, uh, yeah. you know, any, anything over anything. over the counter. stuff. Yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, I, when I go for my medical, when I go pick up my medical prescriptions, I meet with an actual pharmacist, like these people aren't just off the street. They went to school, like they're yeah. legitimate pharmacists that are now, pharmacy marijuana you ask them you go talk with your doctor you meet with them they have different things you can do like minnesota you can't you can't smoke flower here mm. minnesota's medical program there's no flower it's uh cartridges vaporizer cartridges uh lawn, like capsules uh oral oh. spray or lotion so like there's no actual flower here which to me it doesn't make sense is why would you take a natural thing and turn it unnatural Right.
0: But, I bet it's got to be because of the federal law.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, but they'll they'll tell you straight up, like, because I have two different pens that I use, and then I get a lotion, and they're all for different things. So I have my one pen for my panic attacks, and I have another pen for my pain that I can, the one I can go for my panic attacks, I hit that two, three times, and I see why it's for panic attacks, because now I can't remember what I was even thinking about. <laughs> and it's everything's funny. And then I go to my the other side of it where I grab my one for pain, and I can hit it four or five times and walk into work and no one, I mean, it, you would never, if I walked up to you, you would never know that I even just smoked. I mean, there's two, there's so much to it that isn't known about it. Yeah. And there's t- so many different strains. I mean, so many different variations of what this plant can do. Yeah. And we're only now just learning about this. Yeah. And there's still, they're just not researching it enough.
0: Well, and I mean, I, and I do, I always have to make it clear that like, I don't advocate for going out yeah. and smoking. No, we, yeah, if, you, if you're in recovery This is not. Don't don't trick yourself into thinking this is an excuse because two dudes who made sense, (laughs) two guys on a podcast
2: sounded pretty smart about (laughs) this thing. Like, no, I'm not a doctor. I am not a scientist. I barely have a high school diploma. Yeah, like these are all this guy too. Yeah, these are all
0: thought experiments in the in the sense that like I just am fascinated to learn about this shit as it moves forward. Don't like quit drinking and then go to a drug dealer and start yeah. buying weed like yeah it's don't replace
2: <laughs> one don't replace one addiction with another one yeah
1: because we're drinking my diet soda addiction <sighs> problem
2: fantastic
0: better. um okay riley um are is there any like coming into this i thank you for for sharing all the yeah. stuff that, thank that you for you have, having me yes um I I obviously love the ever living shit out of you. Love you, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you were actually the first to like start that movement, like like the daddy thing. I'm calling oh, you daddy <laughs> <laughs> of my friends like that oh, wasn't yeah. a thing for a long time. Yeah,
2: Chris. Yeah. Chris was photo daddy the second he <laughs> had an emergency inhaler, even though he hasn't had hadn't had asthma problems in how many years. <sighs>
0: Maybe once a year I'll yeah. have to use it, but that's yeah. even then.
2: Yeah, that's what you became <laughs> you locked in the photo, dad, that day, and then the following show right after that was when we shot Rise Against together. Oh yeah, yeah. And the dad jokes just one after another. <laughs> first time we ever actually like hung out and met. Basically, I think that was like one of the first times it was just me and you. Yeah, that was the first time yeah, it was just yep. me and you. Was when we shot Rise Against together, and just the instant dad. Even though you're only what five, six years older than me, I'm or, 33. Fuck, you're old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going okay, to say like, nine years. Sorry, older. nine years older than me. I mean, man, you reproduced young. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, just even then, you just it, yeah, the photo dad. It just adapted quickly. I'm like, this is this is father. Uh, Hello, Poppy. <laughs>
0: um, but you know, so coming into this like. What what message
2: do you hope that people take away from from what you've been through? You never know what someone's been through. Like you gotta, base. My biggest thing that's for helped me. I mean, personally, is just having an open mind to things. If you go into there expecting it to be shitty, you're gonna see it as shitty no matter how the outcome come is. If you're in there with a clear mind, knowing that there's multiple reasons as to why this happened, basically. You got you to gotta be more understanding. You can't just assume. Assumptions mm-hmm. do not work when it comes to sobriety. You can't assume anything about anyone's sobriety. Everybody's sobriety is different. Mm-hmm. And you never understand. A lot of people don't understand why people do the things that we do. And you just, I don't know. You just basically, you got to keep an open mind. Yeah, it's, it's The biggest thing is you, you never know what someone's been through. You never know why they do the things that they do. They could be a, the worst person in your eyes and then you hear what, what they've been through and you want to cry. Like you never know what someone's been through and why they act the way that they do
1: or why they use or what yeah. led them down that path. Yeah. yeah. It
2: wasn't just a, everyone's like, well, it was their decision. I'm like, yeah, it was their decision to do the drug, but what the fuck caused them to want to do that? Cause it or didn't just, her, yeah. cause I promise you if I was raised in an upper class white home, I probably wouldn't have turned out the way that I have two totally yeah. different situations, And I, I think
1: mean, too, you used, um, substances as a coping skill because you yeah. weren't taught healthy coping mechanisms as a young
2: no i was taught that you're a man be a man so I suck was, it up
1: put it all. O- you know yeah. put it aside and how did you suck it up and put it away but this as you is used-
0: this is how this was i wanted riley I know, to just I'm get just, his
1: i feel like i didn't get to talk as much i'm trying to add in my oh, little okay, two cents that's <laughs> it that was it
0: yeah. <laughs> okay um do you if if people want to follow your your journey, where where can they find you?
2: <laughs> uh, face I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Fuck Riley Downs. <laughs> uh, we changed that from my from a business name because I say too many inappropriate things to <laughs> have it linked to my business. Oh okay. Uh, but yeah, basically I'm on I'm on Facebook. So like your Instagram is just Riley Downs. Riley, my Instagram is Riley Downs photo. Okay. Um, I don't post a lot of anything about my sobriety on uh, on my oh okay uh, on my photo page, but I do on my Twitter. I'm very active about sobriety and my mental health, and there's a lot of. Sh- I mean, I'm I've learned that a lot of people say you shouldn't put things online, like if you're depressed, don't talk about it online. Go do something about it. For me, it's I'm opening up. This is it's taken me 24 years to be able to actually talk about what's going on with me and what, what I'm feeling. So I mean, I'm I'm very vocal online about. How I feel about things, why I feel the things that I feel, why I'm staying sober, why it means so much to me, um, why I'm able to be around people that aren't sober. Like it took me a year, I was it was a year before I was comfortable going into somewhere that sold alcohol, let alone hanging out with my friends that are drinking. Sure. And now I'm able to go hang out with my friends that are drinking and offer me drinks and still be able to sit there for a few, but, and then leave. I, I mean, I, I never make it through a full night anymore. <laughs> Sure, but yeah. I mean it's it's all progress.
0: Kim, what what would you like people to to take away from from today's episode?
1: Our kids are really loud. Our dogs whine <laughs> a lot. No. <laughs> um, I like the open mind thing too, and I feel like we talk a lot about the. I feel like there's so much mental health with
2: substance use. Yeah. I feel like.
1: A lot of... T- I mean, there are cases where it's just substance use or,
2: you know, yeah. but I
1: feel like a lot of times there's some underlying so, mental health.
2: I feel like it gets overlooked a lot. I don't a lot. I think a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand mental health still. I mean, this yeah. is all... A lot, for a lot of people, this is a new generation of mental health where, where people, we're talking
1: about it. We, I th- people talk about therapy. I, yeah. Everyone has to, You know, a lot of people have there. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Some of my friends I would have thought would have never had a single problem in the world to see a psychiatrist once a week now. Yeah. Like... You never know what someone goes through, yeah. and it, they don't have to have a bad life to struggle with mental health. They don't have to have a bad li- or they don't have to have a good life.
1: Yeah, chemical. I mean, chemical imbalance a yeah, lot of it. I mean, there's obviously there's more to it. There could be trauma and all that too. But yeah, depression, so much, anxiety. Yeah,
2: so much we don't know and Like mean, it's all just now being brought to light that oh yeah, this could cause this, and this is probably why this caused this to happen throughout yeah, life yeah. throughout your life.
1: Yeah. and a lot of it's there's just not enough funding for mental health. No. So. It's not unfortunately and that's something that needs to change but yeah what's interesting yeah is that you with insurance we can all go get a physical every year yeah wellness check for free yep why can't twice a year three times a year four times a year we can go get our mental health checked yep for free
2: yeah i have I, because we
1: can get our physical body checked once uh, a year yeah, for free i get
2: my one i get my yep. insurance my one i go yep. to the doctor one time a year unless i desperately need to yep. and if i don't I, i'll see her next yeah. year
1: but our, we're a system or if our mental health's not well, we're physically ill. Yeah. You can see so many physical issues if yeah. your mental health's not well. And then if you're physically not well, then it affects your mental health. So there, I'll leave it with that. That's my.
0: Oh, I think that's, I think that was great. I, obviously we share the same views on, on mental health. Um, I think you do too. Yeah. Um, I dedicate
1: my life to it.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's, we, we've we always understood. Yeah.
2: It's, it's everywhere.
0: Yeah. And it's, it doesn't have to mean that you're, you know, pulled over on the side of the road crying to a Coldplay song. Like it could anything that um, it it might not bring you to the point of tears. It might not make you in a full rage, but if it's consistently enough, maybe you have dysthymia, maybe you have, there could be anything so you could improve your life just by acknowledging that one thing and then moving forward
1: i do want to point out like even working in mental health yeah. i've worked in mental health for many many years i'm a nurse i have a master's degree and i'm very vocal about my own mental health like yeah. my anxiety As you should be yeah it's i just want people to know like yeah i'm an expert in mental health and i struggle with it and yeah. that's why i work in it, is so people don't feel like
2: Everybody has their own issues, yeah. whether you think they do or not. Yeah. Every, mental health is with everybody. Even oh, yeah. people, if they don't think they have a mental health issue, they probably do and they just haven't recognized it. It hasn't yeah. came to life yeah. yet. Yeah. Oh like, my
0: God. The amount of people who didn't think that they had PTSD oh, that yeah. were in the facility that I was at, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and it's not that they assumed that everybody else had these, these episodes. Yeah. They just knew, they knew that it was their thing, but they just, they thought it ended there. Like, oh yeah, that's just something that I have. Yeah. And like, I, yeah, I just oh, wake up screaming like. Yeah. Oh,
2: wait, yeah. you, you don't wake up in the middle of the night sweating, like you just took a shower panicking yeah. and then can't fall back asleep. It's just me. Yeah. Like- I thought that was a normal thing. <laughs> I do yeah. want
1: to say, though, too, to end it, I'm very proud of you Thank you for I opening your mind and, you know, knowing you for as many years and, yeah. you know, when you said you were, like, F this, I don't want to do therapy. For you to have gone through EMDR and yeah. how intense and crazy as it can get and for you to be where you're at right now, you should be really proud of yourself.
2: Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that a lot. I'm yeah. trying really hard to stay on this movement of bettering myself yeah. and... So much more, just taking away. If you're struggling with something, for what I want to say for the last, I guess, if you're struggling with any type of addiction, it gets better. If you can, if you can find a way to get through it, it gets better. I've opened, it's opened up so many opportunities for me. Getting sober, like the biggest one is my my physical health, not say- just my mental health. I've lost almost 150 pounds in a, a year and a half, or in 20 months. Like I'm back to a normal size. I'm back to normal, healthy. My I'm able to make judgments, clearer judgments about things. I'm able to open my mind and realize that there's more to everything. Like I've just becoming sober has just helped. It's improved my life so much. And like I'm, if you, I don't have anything against people that are able to go and have a few drinks or able to do, go do drugs. I'm not condoning it, but I'm not gonna be upset about it. Like it's not my choice. I'm, mm-hmm. you're, I'm not you. You make. We all make our own decisions. But it gets better if you can, if you can push past it, that sobriety, it feels so much better. And realizing and being able to talk about your problems and when you find people that you can talk to about it, because that's the hard That was the hardest thing for me is I'm surrounded by addicts, but nobody's fucking talking about it. Yeah, none of us want to admit it. And then when we try to talk about it, it's a fight. Like it's I don't have a problem. You're an asshole. Like just just being able to find that group of people that are sober and clear having the same even if we don't share the same views on things, just being able to have that clear headedness and talk about our issues is it's just amazing. I, it's, it's sobriety's been the best thing for me. It's it's uh it's bettered my life any I didn't think I'd be here by now. Like that yeah. getting past twenty one wasn't something that was on my agenda. I yeah. I had figured I'd be either dead or in prison by twenty one. So this is all pissing in the wind it was piss I mean it was all pissing in the wind up until not that long ago And I'm like all right it's time for change and yeah. fixing one problem allowed me to fix a drop list of other problems I had and I'm still not I'm still not better but, but I, I mean working. I'm getting better yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not we're all better. work in progress but you're yeah, yeah. You're From not 20 months yeah. ago
1: till now it's yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. a
2: lot a lot has changed my personal view like my life view, is on everything have changed it's it gets better
0: it's yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, well I, uh, yeah, I, I would just, I'll just do the normal plugs cause I think you guys did a fantastic job of, of talking about, uh, the important things. So, um, if, if you're listening to this and, uh, you would like to be featured, um, whether in, um, let it be known who you are or, uh anonymously we we have that option uh where we can alter your your voice and uh just have it be a phone call and and nobody has to know uh if you're in active use or if you're in recovery and just don't want to let people don't want people to know that you've been through whatever you've been through but still want to get that stuff off of your chest um we absolutely welcome that uh please follow us duck duck gray duke uh, for all social media, um, we're offered on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Subscribing to those things makes a, a pretty big difference in, in what we're trying to uh, accomplish here. And 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 I, I I know I say it every time, but like this this is hands down the strongest thing in my life right now that helps keep me sober. Like it's the only consistent thing that I'm doing that like, cause I don't do AA meetings. I don't do NA meetings. I, I, I'm not doing any of the like traditional methods of staying sober. So having this outlet and the opportunity for Kim to be able to, to give her side of things like from the family perspective and, and the spouse's perspective is just, it means of the world to me. So please, uh, I hope you guys support that. Um, and as as you heard in the in the commercial break, cleancause.com, you can use promo code T N S A A to get twenty percent off of your, your order. Uh, obviously that Yerba Mate is fucking slamming and we love it. You know, um,
1: we ran out and we gotta get some we gotta <laughs> buy yeah, some, we more. <laughs> some more. <laughs>
0: um all right. and, and we end it the way that we you like end your, your turn in an NA meeting or an AA meeting, either one. Um, which is And with that, we will pass.